You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on my book, The Quest for Sustainable Business, an epic journey in search of corporate responsibility. Meaning and change, making a difference. Existential searching. My move from South Africa to the UK to begin a new phase of my career really began in August 2002 at the World Summit on Sustainable Development, or Rio Plus 5, in Johannesburg. I used the event as a climax for launching my new book, Beyond Reasonable Greed, Why Sustainable Business is a Much Better Idea. It was also where I officially told my team at KPMG that I would be leaving to do a PhD. And it was by chance where I met Polly Curtis, director of the Cambridge Programme for Sustainability Leadership, who became and remains such a significant catalyst for my work in sustainable business. In February 2003, I made the big leap moving to Nottingham to start my PhD at the International Centre for Corporate Social Responsibility at Nottingham University Business School under the expert supervision of Professors Jeremy Moon and Andy Crane. It was a period of tremendous personal growth and my intellectual horizons expanded daily. Having planned to do a comparative study of sustainable business in Africa, four months into the process I changed tack and decided to focus on meaning in the life and work of South African sustainability managers. Essentially, I wanted to understand what motivates us to work in sustainability and what are the personal satisfactions and frustrations that come with the territory. This combined my two enduring passions, sustainability or CSR and existential psychology, meaning in life. My findings are written up in detail in my book, Making a Difference. So here I will simply summarize some of my findings and insights. Although the research focused on South African managers, I believe the model of purpose-inspired leadership that I derived is globally applicable. Indeed, I have since tested it on many audiences around the world, and it seems to resonate true for all of them. My first challenge was to understand the link between work and meaning, or satisfaction in life. I quickly found that this was a subject that had intrigued management scholars, economists and psychiatrists alike for many years, from Abraham Maslow and E.F. Schumacher to Richard Layard and Viktor Frankl, Irvin Yalom and Paul Wong. Maslow's basic theory of motivation is well known, namely that people are seeking to fulfill a hierarchy of needs from physiological and safety lower-order needs to social, esteem and self-actualization higher-order needs. Applying his theory to an organizational context, as many have sought to do, implies that once employees' lower-order needs have been met, they will be more motivated to do work which is interesting, challenging and oriented towards personal development. So far, so good. What many do not know is that in Maslow's later life, he wrote extensively on the farther reaches of human nature and introduced numerous self-actualization-related concepts like Theory Z organizations, 
eupsychian management, B values or being values, meta motivation and meta needs. Maslow claimed that self actualizing people are not primarily motivated, in other words, by basic needs, they are primarily meta motivated, in other words, by meta needs or B values. Of relevance here is that he identified meaningfulness as one of the 15 core B values, along with its antithetical metapathologies, when the need becomes frustrated, of meaninglessness, despair, and senselessness of life. Someone who was more concerned about the latter, namely the dehumanization of work, was radical economist E.F. Schumacher. In his now classic book, Small is Beautiful, a study of economics as if people mattered, he observed that Western economics tends to reward work that is essentially self-centered, while undervaluing work that is of genuine service to society. As an alternative, he coined the term Buddhist economics to reflect the idea that greater incentives should be attached to work that is self-transcending, like the teaching and caregiving occupations. More recently, Daniel Kahneman, the winner of the 2003 Nobel Prize for Economics, added scientific evidence to the debate through his research on hedonic psychology. What the data shows is that happiness has not risen in Western nations in the last 50 years, despite significant increases in wealth. Professor and Lord Richard Layard, director of the London School of Economics Centre for Economic Performance, agrees that today's economic goals do not address or result in improved levels of well-being. In the pursuit of money, working ever harder, he says, we are on an hedonic treadmill. Meaning in work. Viktor Frankl the Viennese psychiatrist and survivor of four Nazi concentration camps, expresses this idea rather eloquently when he said, This spreading meaning vacuum is especially evident in affluent industrial countries. People have the means for living, but not the meanings. Having said that, Frankel believed that work was, as a rule, a highly potent vessel for the experience of meaning, but he was at pains to make clear that the occupation or job itself was less important than the extent to which it allowed for the expression of what he called creative values. In other words, the meaning and value is attached to the person's work as a contribution to society, not to the actual occupation as such. Frankel's notion of the meaning of work is similar to Abraham Maslow's meta-motivation theory, according to which self-actualizing people are devoted to some task outside themselves, some vocation or duty or beloved job. In other words, their work tends to coincide with their calling or mission, which is by its very nature personally meaningful. Maslow regarded this conclusion as one of the truly revolutionary consequences of the discovery that humans have a higher nature which is just as instinctoid as their lower nature and that their higher nature includes the needs for meaningful work, for responsibility, 
for being fair and just, for doing what is worthwhile, and for preferring to do it well. As you can imagine, it was not very difficult to hear the echo of sustainable business bells ringing behind these words, and the confirmations kept on coming. For example, included in Maslow's list of the motivations and gratifications of self-actualizing people was delight in bringing about justice, delight in stopping cruelty and exploitation. They enjoy doing good. They manage somehow simultaneously to love the world as it is and to try to improve it. And pleasure in philanthropy. Furthermore, 1990s research by existential psychology academic Paul Wong found that three of the drivers of personal meaning highlighted the importance of community. Relationship emphasized the skills and attitudes necessary for working together and community building. Self-transcendence focused on the value of serving others. And fair respect indicated the need for individuals to receive fair treatment and respect from society. As I began linking these ideas of deep motivation to sustainable business, the first rich vein of research I started to mine was the concept of champions within an organization. This goes back to the emergence of human resource champions in the 1980s, but in the 1990s we saw the idea starting to be applied to environmental management and corporate social performance as well. What is a sustainable business champion? Essentially, it is an individual who has the ability to translate a set of personal beliefs about creating a just and sustainable future into an attractive vision for their organization or sector. Or, put another way, they are masters at identifying, packaging and selling sustainable business issues to those that have power and influence. Sustainable business champions, who are not always those with formal CSR roles, are often described as being action-oriented, enthusiasts, inspirers, experts, volunteers, communicators, networkers, sponsors, implementers, and catalysts. They find that, contrary to popular belief, individuals have considerable discretion within organizations to pursue and promote agendas that they are passionate about. Crucially, however, they need a combination of knowledge and skills to be successful. For example, they need to be able to gather sufficient credible information to make a rational case for change. They need the ability to tell an emotionally compelling story about a more sustainable future. And they need enough political savvy and interpersonal skills to persuade others, especially leaders, to listen and take action. We know, therefore, that many sustainable business professionals are effective change agents when they act as champions, but this still does not tell us what motivates them to engage with the agenda in the first place. This is the question I set out to answer in my doctoral research, and in the process I found that while change echoed as a consistent theme among all the sustainable business professionals I interviewed, the way in which they make change happen and the satisfaction they derive as a result differs considerably. Purpose-inspired leadership For some sustainable business professionals, as one might have guessed, values play an important role. 
In particular, sustainable business is seen as a way to align their work and their personal values. For example, one said, It's the inner drive, it's the way I am put together, my value system, my belief system, it's my Christian belief, my ethical approach. Another explained that it is important to have inspirational leadership and people who align with your value sets. For many sustainable business professionals, their motivation derives from the nature of the beast. In other words, the fact that sustainability is such a dynamic, complex and challenging concept. The satisfaction is huge, said one CSR manager, because there is no day that is the same when you get into your office. It's always changing. It's always different. Another reflected that sustainable business painted a much bigger picture and is just about as holistic as you want it to be. It requires a far broader vision. These two factors, values alignment and the sustainability concept itself, were fairly cross-cutting. However, after analysing all the interviews, I also found that I could distinguish four fairly distinctive types of sustainable business professional based on how they derived satisfaction from their work. In practice, every individual draws on all four types, but the centre of gravity rests with one, representing the mode of operating in which that individual feels most comfortable, fulfilled or satisfied. The first type of sustainable business change agent is the expert. Experts find their motivation through engaging with projects or systems, giving expert input, focusing on technical excellence, seeking uniqueness through specialization and pride in problem-solving abilities. To illustrate, one expert type sustainable business professional explained, there were a couple of projects that I did find very exciting. It was very exciting to get all the bits and pieces in place, then commission them and see them starting to work. Another said, I usually get that sense of meaning in work when I've finished a product, say like an environmental report, and you see I really put in a lot here and here it is. Or you have had a series of community consultations and now you have the results. The second type of sustainable business change agent is the facilitator. Common themes among facilitators are the derivation of motivation from transferring knowledge and skills, focusing on people development, creating opportunities for staff, changing the attitudes or perceptions of individuals, and paying attention to team building. For example, one facilitator type sustainable business professional said, If you enjoy working with people, This is a sort of functional role that you have direct interaction. You can see people being empowered, having increased knowledge, and you can see what that eventually leads to. Another explained, The part of my work that I've enjoyed most is training, where I get the opportunity to work with a group of people, to interact with people at a very personal level. You can see how things start to get clear for them in terms of understanding issues and how that applies to what they do. The third type of sustainable business change agent is the catalyst. For catalysts, motivation is associated with initiating change, giving strategic direction, influencing leadership, tracking organizational performance, and having a big picture perspective. One catalyst type sustainable business professional I interviewed claimed, 
type of work that I'm doing is giving direction in terms of where the company is going. So it can almost become a life purpose to try and steer the company in a direction that you believe is personally right as well. Another reflected, I like getting things changed. My time is spent trying to influence people. The really interesting thing is to try and get managing directors, plant managers, business leaders and salespeople to think differently and to change what they do. That is quite different from the fourth type of sustainable business change agent, which is the activist. For activists, motivation comes from being aware of broader social and environmental issues, feeling part of the community, making a contribution to social upliftment, fighting for a just cause and leaving a legacy of improved conditions in society. For instance, one activist type sustainable business professional said, It's also about the issue of being poor. It actually touches you. You see these people having been living in appalling conditions, the shacks, the drinking water is so dirty, or there's no running water at all. You see those kinds of things and it hits you and you think, what can you do? Another confessed, I think my purpose here is to help others in some way and leave a legacy for my kids to follow. I could leave a legacy behind where I actually set up a school, a kid's school or a campus for disadvantaged people, taking street kids out and doing something, building homes for single parents. Dynamics of Meaning It is important to note that the typology is dynamic. In the same way that sources of meaning in life can vary over the life cycle and other changing circumstances, there is ample evidence to suggest that sustainable business professionals' default types can change as well. For example, one sustainable business manager I interviewed seemed to have shifted from being an activist to a facilitator, moving from political activism to business training and lecturing. Another, from expert to catalyst, from laboratory work to strategic policy advice, and yet another, from expert to facilitator, from a technical scientist to a team unit manager. For some, but not all, sustainable business change agents, their formal roles and their type are aligned, as in the examples I've just cited. Hence, there is a suggestion that either people are naturally attracted to roles that fit with their change agent types, or that their roles shape the meaning they derive as certain types, or perhaps both. As one manager reminded me, in your career or in your work, the manager must be able to swing from one type to the other. Another important influence is organizational context. For instance, one sustainable business professional observed that The organization dynamics of corporates require conformism to the organizational culture, which to a large degree requires maintenance of the status quo. This makes it difficult for activists. Career stage or life cycle is another important context. One sustainable business manager said, I think that one of the things that you have to bear in mind is how much individual flexibility you get in working environments. I think at an early stage in someone's career, no matter what their typology might be, they don't necessarily yet have the luxury of finding themselves in the position that gives expression to their preference. Beyond simply improving our understanding of sustainable business change agents, there are several practical uses for the typology. 
The most obvious potential applications occur at an individual and team level, with benefits for sustainable business managers, managers of CSR teams, and human resource managers. For sustainable business managers, the typology acts as a prompt for individuals to reflect on their most natural type or mix of types. This allows them to think about what sorts of roles they derive the most satisfaction from and to consciously compare this to their formal role. If there isn't a natural fit between their type and their formal role, it may help to explain work frustrations or lacking motivation. As one sustainable business manager testified, it immediately helps me to understand some of the frustrations that I have with some of the areas. For managers of a sustainable business team, the typology helps to cast light on the mix of team members from the perspectives of their different sources of motivation. This can influence the way in which individuals are managed and allocated tasks, as well as the general management style adopted. For example, if there is a predominance of experts, incentives that recognize quality may be far more effective than for a catalyst-dominated team where tracking of strategic goals may be more motivational. The greater hunger. If the typology is used as a team-building exercise, in other words, where each individual's self-classification is shared among the group, mutual understanding, sensitivity, and team dynamics may improve. The manager of a sustainable business team may decide that there is merit in having a balance of all four types represented, which will in turn affect recruitment decisions. Human resource managers may also use the typology to assist in recruitment, either for targeting a particular type to fit the corporate culture, or a specific role or need in the organization, or even as a way to ensure a balanced distribution of types in the organization or the sustainability team. It could also be valuable in designing target recruitment campaigns and incentive packages for this niche of professionals. For example, an appeal to values and expertise may be more successful on average than promises of financial reward and job status. Another link to human resource management is the potential of employee volunteering. Numerous studies show that there is compelling business case arguments for involvement in CSR issues generally and employee volunteering more specifically. The basic rationale is that engagement with sustainability improves employee satisfaction and motivation, which in turn enhances loyalty, commitment and productivity and reduces turnover. However, my research suggests that companies also stand to gain a lot by going beyond the business case. In other words, by justifying their corporate sustainability activities on the basis of values, what some call the moral case. My findings suggest that taking this position, in addition to rather than instead of the business case, would tap into a powerful source of motivation, namely the life satisfaction that sustainable business managers and in all likelihood many other employees, derive from values alignment. To conclude this story about my PhD research on sustainable business motivations, there is a saying in Africa that there are two hungers, the lesser hunger and the greater hunger. The lesser hunger is for the things that sustain life, goods and services and the money to pay for them. The greater hunger is for an answer to the question why. 
for some understanding of what life is for. It is my contention that sustainable business change agents have a fantastic opportunity to feed the greater hunger by making a constructive difference and leaving a positive legacy. As Viktor Frankl said, each person is questioned by life and they can only answer to life by answering for their own life.